I want to have just a word of prayer for us before we jump into um, uh, today's word. And um, I am mindful every week that each of us come from different weeks. Good weeks, bad weeks, challenging weeks, uh, uh, weeks to celebrate, weeks to forget. And um, I would just like to pray for us as a body. And if you would uh, acknowledge before the Lord today that you come carrying a need, whether in your own life or for another person, I would like you to just stand and we're just going to have a pastoral prayer time for what God's doing in the lives of people. Our Lord Jesus, we come to you knowing that we are helpless in and of ourselves to see any need met, to see any life changed and transformed, to see any hope given. Ultimately, it comes from your hand because you give us the very breath that we have to live each day. Lord, here this morning, we just acknowledge before you the different needs that are represented within this local body of your church. We thank you, God, that you have uh, given us your life and your spirit this week. And we would just draw near to pray one for another for the particular prayer concerns that are being lifted in each and every person's heart here today. Lord, if it's a particular family need, we ask God for your intervention. If it's a financial need, Lord, we ask for your strength and intervention and comfort. Lord, if it's a health need, Lord, we pray to you as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, that you would intervene and you would bring healing in that measure that's needed for this hour. Lord, if it's a situation that seems to be completely broken at work, Lord, you know the powers that be, you know the lives you've given us and the abilities that we have to operate within our workplace and be responsible and also to thrive on a mission field that you've placed us in. We pray, God, for that work situation that whatever conflict may be there or um, lack of clarification, that there would be a different kind of week there in the workplace this week. Lord, we ask that if there is just a sense of lostness, whether it's with someone who is here or maybe a loved one or a friend that we're praying for, that we, we are just at our end. We don't know how to reach them anymore. We pray that you would intervene, you would bring maybe someone else into their life as well as our own influence, and that even this week, Lord, there would be an answer to prayer, that that individual who maybe is caught in the throes of the adversary who would seek to bring destruction in their life, that you would come near to them and you would encourage them, and Lord, that they, if they need be, even with repentance, make a turn and begin moving towards you if they've moved away from you. And, Lord, for those who are walking solid with you and are walking through some very dark valleys, we just pray that you would strengthen them, as your Psalm 23 says, with your rod and your staff, that your presence would be there, even when it feels like it's not. Lord, various needs, numerous across our body, that are represented here, some who are not able to even be here this morning because of the needs and uh, the brokenness maybe in their life, or just the feeling of disconnectedness with you. Lord, may we truly pray one for another, not only in a moment of time such as this, but also, Lord, as as we live life during the week and as your spirit would prod us to maybe pick up the phone and to call somebody or maybe even to text somebody, Lord, to be able to go visit somebody. 
Lord, as our community groups meet and we interact and we share uh, our joys and celebrate the wins, but also uh, share about some of the pains and the discouragements. We pray, God, that you would create within our community groups a sense of real bonding and cohesiveness and encouragement one with another. Because, Lord, this is what you called us to do as a body. You did not desire for any of your followers or seekers even to live life on their own. And so, Lord, may you strengthen the cords that bind us together. May we pray for one another here and throughout a day and through the course of a week. Lord, may we not neglect the powerful tool we have to bring our thanksgiving to you and our petitions to you for you to act, for you ultimately to be glorified. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You never know what kind of headlines you wake up to each and every day. Usually you're going to wake up to a headline that's discouraging. A headline that uh, sensationalizes evil in our world. This is a headline that I woke up to this morning. Maybe you saw it as well. Bloody strategy. Boko Haram adopts ISIS goal to wipe out Christians. The Islamic militant group Boko Haram is adopting ISIS' bloody strategy of stamping out Christianity with a frightening fervor, putting Nigeria's 70 million followers of Christ, pictured here, in danger of their lives, so say fearful human rights advocates. I also understand that there was uh, a dumping of Christians off of an immigrant boat going from Liberia, uh, from Libya to um, Italy this week. Who are the Christians? Threw them overboard. I also understand this morning in a headline that there was another video that came out about Christians being killed by ISIS, the Ethiopian routine, where they walked them on the beach, beheaded them, happened again. Now, you don't want to hear that. We're singing in a nice protected room the glories of God. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to worry about a headline like that seemingly in our culture? Christianity being stamped out, methodologically killing people because you proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ or you're found in a place of worship trying to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. But you know, we can readily identify the evil in that kind of world. But there is an evil that operates in the world that we live in. And that is a squelching of your spirit, a repression of your faith so that you will not live vibrantly of faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you call it political correctness or just being able to be appropriate around people, being sensitive, right? You were never called, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, to cower away with your faith. You are not carrying a private religion. I'm sorry, but if you think you signed up for a private religion, you were wrong. From day one, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was very public. It was all over the place to the point that what? Christians died and Christians still continue to die because of a public profession, acknowledgement and pursuit of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead that we celebrated at Easter just two weeks ago and we celebrate again here this morning. We serve a resurrected Jesus and it's a public deal. Really? Do I have to go there? You do. 
Jesus Christ said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I will be ashamed of them when the Father comes with his holy angels. I was at a conference this week. Some of you may be familiar with this conference, and one of the blessings of being in California is you're, you don't have to travel to go to these big, great conferences anymore. When you're out here, they sort of come your way. But went to Catalyst West, which was a conference of about 3,000 people. It was also simulcast. It was held at Mariner's Church, which, man, I hadn't been there for a long year, long time. They have a really nice <laughs> campus. And uh, Mariner's Church was packed with a lot of young adults, spiritual leadership, guys brought in, gals brought in, both from uh, the uh, Christian world as well as Christians from the secular world, and uh, great worship, all that was going on. And uh, one of, I don't know sometimes why I show up at these conferences. I, I expect when I go there to get my butt kicked, and I got my butt kicked by a couple speakers. One of those was Andy Stanley, and Andy Stanley just pulled us out and, and just really challenged us to consider this. He says, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Because what breaks your heart will give indication of the ministry, how you're to be engaged in God's work. Well, as I search through that question Myself, one of the things that breaks my heart is that we are so sheepish as Christians on this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about today that we shy away from all the fullness that God has for us. And so once again here this morning, I, along with you, as brothers and sisters in the faith or seekers in the faith, want to call us out to be on mission. We are called the Awakening Church. Why? Because we want to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And to do that, it's not a private thing. It's a public thing. And I think God's calling us afresh and anew as a local community of people to be involved in a public dimension of the Holy Spirit's movement dating back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 2, which is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon God's people. Acts 2 would not have happened if God's intention was for you to have a privatized faith. We looked at it last week. We find it this week. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, uh, they were gathered around him and they asked him. This is after the resurrection, right before he ascends into the heavens. Um, how many of you last week watched uh, A.D.? Get, uh, did you like the ascension? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, there's a few more angels there. I, that was pretty cool, all right? All right, so they gathered around him and asked. He hadn't ascended yet. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, and this was a, a part of the series um, last sun, Sunday night, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will, you will receive, what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, does that sound like a private faith? No, nada. Now, what happens then? He ascends to the heavens, and after he ascends to the heavens, what do the, the disciples do? They say, Well, that was a great ride. No. They knew they had yet to experience that which Jesus had prophesied shortly before he went into the heavens. And so they went and they bunkered together. And it says this in Acts 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And I like this roll call. Those present were Peter, John, 
James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. How many is that? Eleven. It's not twelve. Why? Because Judas Iscariot hung himself. So the twelve no longer exists. It's now eleven, right? So shortly here, then they end up finding a twelfth person who had been an eyewitness and sort of like, you know, an alternate juror and brought them along and added them to the twelve, right? Matthias. Verse 14, they all joined together, not just these 11, but all the uh, group of believers that were in the upper room and were given on the heels of the witness of Jesus and his, his ascension. They gathered constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They all joined together constantly in what? Prayer. prayer. Not, not gossip, not hearsay. Not just hanging out, right? Not Facebooking, right? Their first business was to join together constantly in prayer. And our clip this morning picks up with them joining together in prayer. And this is a part of tonight's episode on NBC, the AD series. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together 
in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Amilamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pharagai and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. That passage lets us know that this incredible miracle that happened a mere number of days after Jesus Christ was raised from the grave, was done in the presence of a multitude of nations. And it was in God's desire to do what He had said, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the othermost parts of the world. He wasn't kidding. And He says, I want you to take this message of hope. Take the power of the resurrection. Take the the new life that's being given to you through a new covenant. And I want you to move out in a public dimension and communicate, demonstrate, and share with the world. It was not optional. It was not optional. I don't know. Did you love that clip? I I was wondering how they were going to depict the flaming tongues of fire coming down, right? And I think it's great that they did it in in the context of them praying. And in the context of praying, they flowed out of that into other languages. Some of you come out of different kinds of backgrounds. I come out of various backgrounds myself. But the whole speaking in tongues thing seems to be still controversial in a lot of circles. But you need to know this. This speaking of tongues at this particular event here was a supernatural event where they were giving the tongue, given the tongue of another language in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ. There is also a, a tongue that's a prayer language. And Paul refers to that. And the, uh, the prayer language often comes out of just a heart that's overflowing and you don't know how you ought to pray. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And God can break upon the heart of a person and they go into a heavenly kind of language to be able to speak to God directly without the struggle of the syntax of the English language sometimes. And I've been around it and I've seen the, the over abuses of things and other kinds of things. But I tell you what, don't get all weirded and wigged out when the Holy Spirit comes and He imparts spiritual, supernatural gifts unto people. And in this particular instance, this particular tongue uh, episode was for languages that translated to other people about the great wonders of God. They were just simple shepherdmen, common people. And God got a hold of them, empowered and infused them with the Holy Spirit, and they took off. They even started to act weird in the sight of other people at some level. The people thought that they were drunk. 
So what happens on the heels of this from Acts 2? Well, I tell you what, the Spirit of God galvanized those people, in particular, Peter. The Scripture says this following that. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. (laughs) And I think he had a smile on his face like that. (laughs) After what he'd been through, man. And they were accusing them of being drunk. Come on. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say, he said. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So said John. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This Jesus was handed over by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to hold him down. David said of him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also lives in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have shown me the paths of life, and I am filled with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can confidently say to you that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was ahead, he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he would not abandon him to the grave, nor let his body see decay. And God has raised this Jesus to life, and we all are witnesses to the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has now poured out upon you what you now see and hear. David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, My Lord said to the Lord, My Lord said to the Lord, Sit at my right hand until I place all your enemies 
under your feet as a footstool. Therefore, let all of Israel know this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Many other words. He warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This was Peter. The guy who sheepishly just a, a few days prior, really, I don't know him. I don't know him. What happened to this common fisherman? Yes, Jesus reappeared to him. Jesus reinstated him. Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. But they were bunkered in that upper room until the Spirit of God came upon them and they were possessed by a spirit. The Spirit of Jesus. That's how I like how it was depicted. It will be depicted tonight because Jesus ascends into heaven, right? And there's glory that goes up. And then a mere few days later, what happens? He descends. It is Jesus who descends and possesses the heart of each and every follower. And you too. You too. You too. I could go around pointing. You too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This deal is just not a cognitive deal. There is rational reasons to believe in Jesus Christ, but it is a supernatural deal where the Jesus who walked among them, who died, was raised from the grave, who ascended to the heavens, this Jesus comes and dwells within us as Christians. Yet we walk around real sheepish. We get discouraged and our heart rightfully grieves when you see the martyrdom of Christians around the world. But friends, we should never shrink away because this same Jesus who was raised from the dead, that they proclaimed in truth is the same Jesus that can empower your life and mine. What breaks my heart is when we become sheepish and we deny the power of the Holy Spirit to move through our life to impact and change and transform our world. Now, there's just a few thoughts that I want to grab from some of the words that we just shared. Those thoughts begin with this in Acts 2. Verses 8 through 13. It listed all of the different languages that were being spoken. And I was thinking about it this week. Actually, at this conference, I was sitting there and listening and processing what God was saying to my heart. And I thought, you know, hey, Jesus, can we just sort of Sunday morning, your Holy Spirit, come down, do that little fire thing. Wouldn't that be cool? We all stand up and we start speaking in a different language. Hey, that would be one trip, man. Bring the media in. Watch this. Right? 
But we don't see that happening today. Sometimes it has happened. Actually, there are stories of missionaries who have been given a language. There are also other stories where people thought that they were going to arrive on the mission field without any preparation and language study, and they thought God was going to give them the tongue of that people, and he did not. That was a wake-up call. Hello, I'm here. I don't know what they're saying. I'm waiting for you to say something to me or for me to understand what they're saying. It wasn't happening. Well, I'm not promoting for this to happen today. But I was thinking through this. Why were each of them given a different language? Because there were different kinds of people in the city. And each of those different kinds of people needed to hear directly in their own language, up close, up front. Well, when I look out upon even a body like here's today, and the Spirit of God that would descend and possess us as followers of Jesus this morning, I want you to know that just as uniquely as the languages were given there, the Holy Spirit today uniquely gifts us to declare the wonders of God. You can reach people that I cannot reach. The person seated beside you can reach people that you can't reach. Why? Because you have different gifts. You have different backgrounds. You have different interests. You have a different kind of personality. But God has given you uniqueness. He has given you your experiences. He has given you, yes, spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit to uniquely communicate the wonders of God to the people around you. It does not say that they declared, right? It does not say that... They declared judgment upon the people. The Holy Spirit, that's one of his jobs, the Spirit of Jesus, is to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment, right? So let the Holy Spirit convict. But your job is to declare the wonders of God, even in your brokenness of life. How God has sustained you, even in your doubts, how God has continued to, to speak into your life at some level or hold you fast. I don't know, but the wonders of God are specific unto your life, but they're the wonders of God as recorded in the Scriptures. And what was the foremost wonder they were declaring? They were declaring about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you want some tongues of fire coming on you this morning? Open yourself up to say, God, how have you uniquely gifted me to declare your wonders in this world? The second one comes from Acts 2.16. Where they said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. Sons and daughters, young men, old men. That's encouraging to me. The old men thing, dream dreams. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to go to bed tonight. I want to have a dream. No. <laughs> on my servants, and I like this, both men and women. And you have to understand this. What Jesus did to liberate women in his day was radical that there were women who were the first he chose to discover the empty tomb as eyewitnesses. Women's witness of the grave was, was ludicrous to some people in their mind because you just don't even bring them in a court of law. But he radically changed the position of women in the culture and society and in his kingdom. On my servants, these are servants, just common servants, men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So I want to say this, number two, the Holy Spirit empowers all Christ servants from mission witness. All. It does not say I will pour out my spirit on some special guys and gals that sort of look right, act right. He pours his spirit out on all who will seek him. And what does he pour his spirit out for? For us to be his servants. And for us to continue on 
and being a witness in his world, to be a witness in mission. You know, the um, NFL draft, Brad will know this, where's Brad? What is it, next Thursday? April 30th? All right. Just Brad's a big NFL guy. They're going to call names. They're going to walk out and go put their hat on. I'm going to be playing for this team. I'm one special dude, right? I'm good. That's great. I don't think there's anyone in this room, including GJ, who actually played for an NFL team, that's going to get picked and called on Thursday's draft. You're all losers. (laughs) Jesus was not picking special draft people with special what we perceive as privilege. He was taking every single common, ordinary person. Some of you remember what it was like when you were in high school and they posted who was going to get what parts in a play or a musical. You remember walking up to that wall? You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Your life and your heart was broken for a period of time. Maybe it was for the picking of teams and being cut off a team and you look at your name and your name's not there and, and you got the other group of people around and they're all saying, yeah, man, that's great. And you just quietly walk away because you weren't picked. You weren't good enough. Maybe you didn't have that special privilege going on with having the right networks of people you knew or whatever. That never, ever happens with Jesus. Jesus picks you And he will pour his spirit out on all people, including you. The next one comes from the words of David in Acts 2.25 and following. Where he said, you will not let your Holy One see decay and you will fill me with joy in your presence. I think it's an incredible prophetic word. And somehow these these disciples, after the fact of the resurrection, I can't you just see them after the fact of the the resurrection. They just go back and they just start flipping through their Old Testament. They start rereading through their Old Testament. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The patriarch David, he spoke of this. He said, he said that the, the, the Christ, the Messiah would not be abandoned to the grave, nor would his body see decay. It was right there. And so they go back and. And Peter quotes this. Why? Because he's speaking to a lot of Jewish people, right? And so he has to go back and pull context from the Old Testament to let them know that this event of Christ's resurrection, which just wasn't out of the blue in some random thing, is like, no, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. But King David, who had a special relationship with God, as we all well know, who wrote a majority of the Psalms, and he had a deep, intimate heart, known today, even in spite of his falling and sinning and adultery, he is known as one who had a heart for God. He says, you will not only let the Holy One not see decay, you have made known to me the paths of life and you fill me with joy in your presence. Know this, number three, the Holy Spirit brings hope and joy as the very presence of Christ. That's why I like the depiction of Peter with a smile on his face. He wasn't up there, all right, all you Israelites, listen to this. You killed him. No, that was just, it was just, that was just true. He's like, hey, you know, listen to this. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the tree. <laughs> he goes on and says, hey, remember David, the joy of the presence. There is a joy that filled Peter's life and the disciples' life. The Holy Spirit brings hope and joy at the very presence of Christ. Hope 
that death is not final. Joy because there's present living in his presence. One of the speakers this week, I, I can't comprehend this. I can't, and some of you maybe tragically have gone through this, but he uh, had four kids and one of them died in his arms at the age of five. And he's talking about the hurt and the pain of that, but the hope of that and the journey of that. And I tell you what, I don't know how you walk through that without the hope of saying, you know, hey, my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave. There is preciousness in the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it was to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, then I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. He's going to be with you always. And you are never, ever alone if you're a Christian follower here this morning. Number four comes out of Acts 2. It says that David was died and was buried. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact of the promised Holy Spirit. I want to just declare this. The Holy Spirit gives witness through us to the resurrection life. If you want to declare the wonders of God, you're going to have to dig out like we talked about last week when we talked over again on the resurrected life. You have to have a deep, not only head knowledge of the resurrection, but an experienced knowledge of the resurrected Jesus in your life. And that will bode well as you give witness because the Holy Spirit is looking for people that he wants to empower who want to give witness to the resurrected life. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to the fact. You may say, well, I wasn't witness. I wasn't there, Carrie. Remember what Jesus said when he appeared to Downing Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I believe experientially through the eyes of the Spirit, you give witness to the resurrected life because I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. I know that he is living. And the, the, the hymn goes this, I know he lives because why? He lives within my heart. The Holy Spirit gives witness through us to the resurrected life. And then finally is this thought. The Holy Spirit is a gift received through repentance and belief. They were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart when they heard the apostles speak this and they just pleaded, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter was very clear. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, was it water baptism itself that was going to save and redeem a person? No. What saves and redeems us is the Holy Spirit penetrating us, but the Holy Spirit can't come into our life unless we repent, we turn with this direction of life, and we receive the baptism of Jesus. The baptism, physical baptism, was an identification, an outward sign of the inward commitment, like the wedding ring is an outward sign of the inward commitment of a covenant bond you have with your spouse. It was an outward sign of an inner commitment that I am now a follower and believer of Jesus. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, was publicly declaring, taking it out of the private part, putting it into the public, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what? You will receive the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is for you, and praise God, it's for our children 
And for all who are afar off, that's all of us sitting in this room right here, all whom the Lord our God will call. Has He called you? Is He calling you? Have you repented? Have you believed? Have you received? What breaks my heart? What breaks your heart? I position these statements before you. The first is this. Believers in Jesus Christ and His resurrection have all of the Holy Spirit. When you repent and are baptized, you don't get half of the Holy Spirit. How do you get half of a person? You get all of the Holy Spirit. And that was the change that happened on the day of Pentecost. In the Old Testament, you go all the way back to the creation of the world. God's Spirit hovered over the waters, it says in Genesis 1. And then God's Spirit would come upon judges and kings and prophets. All right? And then even in the New Testament, we see where the Holy Spirit's at work. And Jesus even breathes upon His disciples in that room with Thomas after the Doubting Thomas episode. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. But on Pentecost, the Spirit wasn't a coming and a going, a coming upon them and a going. The Spirit that came from heaven came and penetrated them. All of the Holy Spirit, 100% of the Holy Spirit, came and penetrated the life of the believer. And from that day forward, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've proclaimed Him as your Lord and Savior, you have all of the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Because the Spirit of Jesus can't work through our life, private, public, or otherwise, unless we have a yielded heart that says, Lord, use me. All of me. I want to be used by you. And then my second question is to us as a church body. The church of Jesus Christ has all of the Holy Spirit for empowered and effective witness in our world and our valley. But does the Holy Spirit have all of us as a church? There's two ways to view that. One is all of us corporately. And the other is all of us individually as a part of a local body. Because you see... For us to rock the valley for the Lord Jesus Christ, for us to see every man, woman, and child within our networks of influence be able to come to know Jesus Christ and come into the hope of the power of the resurrection, it's going to take all of us. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit who is occupying all of us to be able to do that. And so each of us, whether it's a language, whether it's a gift, whether it's some type of experience, whether it's just the crossing of networks and paths, God wants to use all of us to do this. And one of the things I'm very excited about for us as a church is God has uniquely positioned us right now in this time and place a year out from when we rebranded and did so many things that we thought we were going to break through into some new dimensions. God has uniquely positioned us to be a needy people. To be a needy people where we are dependent upon the Spirit to empower all of us. So I rejoice when I see the Spirit empowering you and using your life. When I 
when I think about some of the things that, that, that resonate with people coming and say, hey, can we have just sort of an open worship night on a Saturday? Or can we do another special prayer time gathering here at the church on a Monday? Or have somebody come to me and say, hey, we'd like to do some new signs and just get, get the word out through that kind of particular dimension. Or can we retweak some of the, the social media stuff that we're doing to be able to communicate with people in a modern context? Or, you know, is it all right if I establish some dinners for sixes this summer where for three months we get together with two other couples, three different times and we just build closer relationships is it all right with me you know if we just sort of get the word out there to be able to help somebody who's maybe homeless or in need and somebody called me this last week and said hey i have a family that that works for me and they're they're homeless for a while is there any way that your church maybe has some connections for them to find a place to live for a while and and i i hear people respond and i hear people have a hunger and a dimension to be hands-on, doing mission witness, filled with the Holy Spirit in their own unique way. And all I need to do sometimes, I think, as pastor of this church, is get out of the way and say, Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon us your life. And you take this body and you take us places we've never been, not for our glory, but for your glory, because there's people that are broken and need you. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of us as a church? I don't like being in places where God... Because I know there's sacrifice and pain and changes that has to happen in my own life. And that's never fun. But I do like being at that place because I know that whatever I see is going to be for his glory. And so Jesus in Acts 1 said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You pray with me. Our Lord Jesus, you are moving upon the hearts of people in this body in ways that none of us sometimes see. And whether that's a a ministry initiative to reach out, to have a day at the park for people to come and have community and bring some neighbors, whether that's just pulling together a group of people to pray and to intercede, whether that's in walking some streets and doing a prayer walk, whether that's inviting over a broken person and just spending time with them because no one seems to care. You are working in ways that we cannot see, and all I can ask, Lord, is that you would just help us to power up through your Holy Spirit and do what you've called us to do. Jesus Christ, I pray that now that you've provided the provision for us to have all of the Holy Spirit, that I would come afresh and new to a conviction where the Holy Spirit would have all of me. And Lord, on behalf of this church, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have all of us as a church. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to not acknowledge before me, but before Jesus who is here. If you are in that place where you need to freshly surrender to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, and say, Jesus, I want you to have all of me. Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you're questioning whatever you did before. But you're at a place. Maybe you're just at a place of seeking and say, I need the Holy Spirit to have all of me. I just want you to raise your hand and acknowledge that before the Lord. Pick me. Choose me. Across this room. Pick me, choose me. I want you to have all of me to do all of your work. Amen and amen all over the place. Others, 
Lord, you see the hearts behind the hands and you know the individual needs that you wrestle with in the hearts of each of the people who are here. Jesus, may this week be one of those special weeks where they're able to draw near to you and relinquish to repent, to freshly believe and freshly offer their lives in service to you. And then, Lord, as individuals gathered together as a corporate body, may you use us as a body. May you have all of us as a church for whatever your day holds. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your response to the Lord this morning. I trust that you just stay on that trajectory. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. Your presence, the Lord's presence, is always with you. Let's close with this worship song and the ushers will come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. If there's a special place of commitment, even if you want to commit your life to follow Jesus Christ, there's a place to mark that on your connection card and we'd love to follow up with you wherever you're at in your spiritual development. I was sort of convicted about the whole baptism thing in this. A couple of weeks ago, a gentleman came to me and said, I want to get baptized with some of my family members. And I said, you got it, got you down, got another list, another individual. We're going to finish out this series with a baptism. And so between now and then, and that's in the middle of June, there's work for us to do, for people to repent and be baptized. Not here. Maybe some here. Maybe it's you. But those who are not here, not close to following Christ. Let's pray. Let's labor. Let's have a great day in being able to see people, many people baptized for the glory of God. Let's sing.